Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Pretty sad day in Rugby League, the passing of John Sattler, one of the all-time great and toughest players that our game has ever seen. Obviously, the 1970 Grand Final is what he's most known for, uh, breaking his jaw in the early parts of that game and playing out throughout the entire thing. Incredible stuff to win that premiership. Um, and it's actually, it's funny, only a couple of weeks ago I was sitting here and I was working with um, a lady that was designing all the mascots that I've been using on Instagram that you guys have seen. I've got one for each team. And there was little things that I wanted added for certain teams and like certain jerseys I wanted, like I wanted... You know, the Canberra Raiders jersey from the 90s. I wanted the City 4 jersey uh, for the Sydney Roosters. Just a couple of subtle things I wanted added. And I remember with the South Sydney Rabbitoh, the first thing I said was, I want John Sattler's jersey. And she said, oh, what, what does that mean? And I showed her the picture and I just explained to her, oh, this was John Sattler. He played this grand final with a broken jaw. One of the most courageous things we've ever seen in our game. And, of course, he played this jersey with um, half of the Rabbitohs mascot missing from his jersey. And I said, that's what I want on my Rabbitohs one because this guy – is an absolute icon of our game, and he represents everything that rugby league is in being one of the toughest guys to ever play the game. And, uh, yeah, sad day for the passing of Johnny Sattler today. I was lucky enough a couple of years ago to sit down with his son, Scott Sattler. Uh, obviously, Scott Sattler has, has carved his own little bit of rugby league history. The 2003 grand final, making that tackle on, Scott, uh, on Todd Byrne, I mean, just incredible stuff. But uh, the legacy that his father left and just the... The legacy of who his father was, not only as a footballer, but as a bloke as well, as I said, well-known for being one of the toughest guys to ever play our game and just one of the tougher guys to ever exist realistically. So I sat down with Scott, I had a really good chat, and I thought, you know, obviously you guys know how I feel about John. It was only a few weeks ago that I was making, you know, designs for 2023, and I and I thought it was only fitting uh, that, you know, John Sattler was somehow represented throughout those mascots and throughout those drawings because he's a huge part of rugby league, in my opinion. I thought that I could share my thoughts, but then I thought, you know what? No one's going to say it better than Scott. So I went and I, I just dug up some of the audio um, of Scott Sattler talking about his old man from when he was a kid, some of the things he remembers, and just some of the stories 
from that 1970 grand final and a few other things as well. So going to hand you over now to Scott. We do wish um, all the entire Sattler family all the very best. We are thinking of them. Rugby League, we are a fantastic family and we always get around those in times of need. But a very, very sad day for Rugby League. Uh, a guy that, you know, without him, one of the real pioneers of our game and I still look at guys like him and go, fuck, if they wouldn't have done what they did and if they didn't add their little bit to Rugby League and if they didn't play their role in what they gave to this game... You know, would this game be what it is today? Would I be able to do what I do for for work every single day and just absolutely love what I do as well? So it's guys like John Sattler that laid the foundation of what I'm able to do today. So forever grateful, a legend of our game, and uh, rest in peace to Johnny Sattler, one of the all-time greats. We'll hand over now to Scott for him to tell a couple of yarns about his old man. Mate, the Sattlers are no strangers to grand finals, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, I suppose... Um no, the old man played in six and won four, and so he hasn't got a bad record himself. You know, it's um, they had a pretty, pretty hot side back in the sixties and early seventies, and and um, yeah, so when you talk about grand final experiences, I think he uh, <laughs> he overlaps my experiences uh, quite easily. Mate, tell me about that 1970 grand final. That's obviously the one that he's, you know, he's best known for. Um, you know, obviously it was just before you were born, but, you know, obviously the folklore surrounding it, I've, I feel like I've heard a heap about it when I was growing up as a kid. It must have been massive for you. Yeah, there's probably a lot of things that, that people don't realise about uh, the, the game itself. And uh, John Bucknell, who was the front rower who smashed Dad's jaw, it was in about the second or third minute as he ran up in defence and wasn't involved in the tackle and was just king hit as he turned around to get back into the line and he both the jaw in three places. Um. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just underneath both earlobes and then a clean break straight down the middle of it. So it was sort of the jaw was sitting in two two pieces that were sort of hanging down lower than what it was and, and throughout the game he pushed his jaw into place every time he was about to take a run his teammates didn't know about it uh, Michael Cleary was the first to know who was out on the wing and he actually said to Michael hold me up because I think I'm going to faint I don't want these guys to let, let them know that I'm, that I'm injured so Michael Cleary looked at him and saw the way his jaw looked like and Mick Cleary said publicly he thought he was going to faint at the side of his jaw but at half time Clive Churchill said he wasn't allowed to go back on. He wasn't going to let him go back on the coach. And Bobby McCarthy and John O'Neill and Gary Stevens and Ron Coote and, and Elwyn Walters, they all got together and said, listen, let's just let's cut him out. Don't let him take the ball up. So, But he kept pushing his way in and kept getting the ball and kept getting the, the extra treatment from the, the manly forwards. And then after the game, he was meant to captain the 1970 World Cup at the end of that, that season. And he was sitting in the dressing sheds after they'd won the game and he pushed his jaw all back into place and he was sitting in the, in the if you haven't been in the Sydney Cricket Ground dressing shed, there's a, there's a bathroom that's got a big bath in it and he's sitting on the edge of the bath and Clive Churchill came and said, I've got to let the reporters in, they want to know what's going on. And, and so he said, right, I let them in. So he, he let them in and as he sat on the edge of the, the, the bathtub, 
all the reporters said, oh, we've heard you're breaking your jaw, is that right? And from all reports, Bobby McCarthy tells a really good story that he, he went to say, no, it's okay, as he went to open his mouth and all his jaw fell apart oh. again. And, and all the reporters, apparently half of them nearly fainted themselves and a couple had to leave the room because they, they <laughs> the side of the blood and and the, the state that he's, his jaw was in, they, they couldn't actually look at it, it was that bad. So they rushed him off to the hospital, uh, still in his playing gear and, and wide his jaw up. He was like that for about um, yeah, eight or nine weeks. Mate, is was it that grand final that, you know, he's got no trace of the jersey that he wore? Yeah, so he used to give all his jerseys away at the end of the year. So if they made the finals, he, or grand final, he'd, he'd usually swap it with his other number. If they didn't make the grand final or they just finished the normal season, he used to give it to a, you know, one of the South volunteers or the guy that worked on the on the gate at Redfern Oval. But that, that was the only one that he kept. His only South Sydney jersey he kept it. He's got a half a rabbit, which got torn off at the start of the 1970 jersey. Of course, he was so superstitious, he didn't want them to put a new rabbit on. So it's got half a rabbit ripped off it, the back half of the rabbit. And uh, and because he got rushed to the hospital, they were going to cut it off him. And he said, no, there's no way you're going to damage this jersey. So they delicately took it off and gave it to mum. Mum put it in the plastic bag, actually, and still had it um, up until 1999, 2000, where a gentleman who owned a memorabilia company promised that he'd He'd frame it for, for Dad, and and then um, that's the last we ever saw of it. So well, we're trying to we're trying to uh, find where it is to this day. Fuck, you're a brave man to steal off John Sattler, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know, I've spoken to a lot of people in the industry, and they say that you know, people people of that nature who love memorabilia, hopefully it hasn't been damaged. Hopefully it hasn't been uh, burnt. Uh, and the evidence is gone. Hopefully, it's a person that's willing just to, I suppose, um, and uh, anonymously hand it over to someone and, and get it back in the family because it's something that's you know very cher- cher- cherished by uh, by the old man. For sure, mate. Mate, is there a moment in your childhood you remember that you know Dad did something or something happened that you sort of sat back and went, Jesus, like this bloke isn't normal. He, he's tougher than the average bloke. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's actually a really good question. I didn't realise you were the held in high regard as a rugby league player until running around in his old jerseys like his South Sydney and his Australian that one South Sydney jersey the 1971 and, and his New South Wales and Australian jerseys I used to run around those as a kid in the in the house and but I didn't really truly appreciate actually what he stood for in the game until we went to the first Origin game in 1980 and I was only about 8 or 9 but I remember everyone stopping him every sort of 5 or 10 metres everyone wanted to talk to him I thought He's, he's really important. And I remember asking mum about it and then that's when I started watching all the old VHS cassette tapes of his games and now um, he got a true appreciation. When I realised he wasn't normal was we grew up in pubs. We owned a lot of pubs around Queensland and we still live in the pubs that we owned. But every Friday night, there would be someone who wanted to try and take the mantle or try and take the the belt off the old man on a Friday night when he's, he's had plenty of booze under his belt and he had a, a lot of Dutch courage about him and he'd try and take him on physically and the amount of times, I couldn't even tell you how many times I've seen him clean up the average person who, who thought they were um, going to take the championship and went away with their tail between their legs or so many teeth in their face. So um, those, those circumstances made me, one thing, and understand and appreciate how good of a rugby league player and what he stood for and how tough he was on the field. But then 
he could handle himself off the field. I mean, it was quite amazing the amount of bar balls that I saw him in where he was trying to protect a patron or protect the pub or one of the employees. It was it was endless. It was week after week, and that's when I realised that you know why do these people keep trying to take him on? One, he played seventy eight minutes with a not a broken jaw, a smashed jaw. But then outside of that, he can fight like four mongrel dogs, and and no one can beat him. So yeah, growing up as a kid, I I idolised him as a as a father, but also was scared shitless of him. <laughs> Fuck, mate, I'm scared shitless of him. I'm just hearing about him over the phone. <laughs> Mate, obviously your dad, John, you know, he had that, that moment in 1970 that's, you know, it's obviously stuck in rugby league folklore and your moment would come in 2003. It's pretty special that father and son, they both have, you know, moments that every time, well, obviously it's November this year, but normally October, September rolls around and you're both normally featured heavily. It must be something you're extremely proud of. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're very proud, not because of the occasions. I think we're more proud that we were able to play in teams that, that won premierships and and um, yeah, the, 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 those little moments that you're talking about with him with the jaw and, and me um, in the grand final with, with the tackle, I, I suppose unselfishly, I, I'd like to think we're both very unselfish teammates and um, that unselfishly we don't think of that first. We think about the, the success of the side and the role that we played in that side and fortunately enough we played, we're able to play a role that, that many feel as though was important in the scheme of the thing. So, yeah, first and foremost, to, to try and he'd already run, he'd already already won two premierships before 1970 and 67, 68, and um, so he was sort of used to playing in finals. Now, for me, it was it was the first chance at a grand final. Unfortunately, uh, fortunately enough, we were able to win one. But in in relation to the moments themselves, yeah, it's it's nice when when they talk about both of us at the same time of the year. I'd be lying to say in saying it that I that I didn't. That was exciting. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.